hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Want to go on a trip with the guys and gals, but don't want to return home with a credit card hangover? Or want to end next holiday season with no more debt than when you start it? Are you searching for a small biz to start on your own that's not too hard and doesn't require a lot of upfront dollar bills, (laughs) y'all? Then you're in the right place listening to Queer Money episode number 303, not from Denver this time, because today we're talking with Tom Brickman of the Frugal Gay, Frugal Gay 11 on social media, about his side business of reselling at a premium valuables he finds at a discount. Tom shares all his secrets, plus he gives three most important steps for you to follow to get started with this kind of a business. Remember, we make the Queer Money podcast for you. So if you have money questions, post them in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer them in an upcoming episode. Now, on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Gainbridge sponsors the best, including the Indiana Pacers, Indiana Fever, Indiana 500, and the Queer Money Podcast. That's because Gainbridge believes dedication is an essential component of success in every community. Visit Gainbridge.life today. Welcome Tom Brickman of the Frugal Gay to Queer Money. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm. Uh, this is a huge honor. You guys kind of uh, are my inspiration and brought me into this space of uh, personal finance. And I just love listening to your episodes. So thank you for having me. Oh, shucks. Please go on. Yeah. Well, I, I think you know, <laughs> getting to know you, especially after meeting you in person at FinCon and hearing all of the things that you've been doing, it sounds like the personal side of personal finance has been a part of your life for a long time. It sounds, you know, we're kind of maybe like the Borg bringing you, assimilating you into the actual online presence of personal finance. Right. I just want to clarify one thing for folks. If you're out there and you're looking for Tom uh, on social media, he's actually the frugal gay 11. So (laughs) there may be a story behind that, but there is another frugal gay out there that's kind of defunct and not actually doing anything. So let's clear that up right away. (laughs) I might've been the original frugal gay as well, but I couldn't recover that account. So um, (laughs) we just kind of went with the frugal gay 11 when we were uh, re-signing up for this. And I am the frugal gay 11 Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Nice. So, but I've had this burning question that I've wanted to ask for a long time. And so on a public platform for everybody to hear and even see, I'm going to ask it. Are you more frugal than gay or more gay than frugal? (laughs) I would say more frugal than gay, um, but it it depends on who you ask and what day it is, because (laughs) there are days that uh, I can be very, very gay. So (laughs) awesome. We'll bring all your gay today. Yeah, yeah, bring all we'll your games. have you bring it on this episode. That's so we invited you to come on the Crim Money podcast because you are doing some amazing work reselling, uh, you know, buying and, and flipping things that you 
products that you find elsewhere. I don't even know where you find them. We'll discuss that. And then you're able to resell them on sites like Amazon and eBay and, and make great money. You've created this great side hustle for yourself. And this is actually our second podcast that we're recording today where the premise is to encourage more LGBTQ folks to become entrepreneurs in any way, shape or form, part-time, full-time, whatever suits them just so you can have a diversity of income and stop being so reliant on someone else for your financial security and your success. So we're excited to, to have this, that, this topic with you. So sort of, let's start with like the 101 level. What's reselling, buying and flipping it on Amazon, eBay, and other sites like that? What, uh, and, and what is all that? I'm just going to jump in before, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you, Tom, here. But part of the reason why I love this uh, and your story is you were trolled recently on Twitter and yeah. the person made this comment about, you know, you've talked about how you now have a, ne- a, a very large net worth, over well over a million dollars. And somebody dropped this comment, oh, yeah, you probably got a bunch of money from your parents or you're a tech bro that invested in Bitcoin or something like that. And I love that one person, and I don't remember exactly who it is, who it was, but somebody came back with the comment of he sells bras and t-shirts or bras and perfume, and that's how he got his start. And I love that there is this backstory to how you got your start in personal finance and in, in your personal finance journey to becoming a millionaire in a way that so many people just don't think about. It's beyond their, beyond most people's thought process to think I could buy something and turn around and sell it for more than what I bought it for and use that money to invest in growing my wealth, right? So let's talk about John's question. What now. is reselling? What is reselling? <laughs> Tell us about this. Okay. So reselling is buying of merchandise and reselling it for more. I mean, it's pretty plain and simple when you break it down uh, to 101. But um, really, I started reselling before I even knew what a side hustle was during college days. Reselling could be anything. And I mean, there's so many different resellers out there selling toys, selling shoes, selling makeup, selling, you know, bras. I just happened to go towards these small, easy to ship things. And that's where I started reselling. So during college, I started with uh, with purses, and I actually paid for a full semester of college just selling purses. Wow! Wow! That's wow! Nice. That is crazy. That's thousands of dollars that you made by buying purses and selling them. And two again, at a, two at a time on eBay. Yeah, and I think a lot of people they think, okay, this is going to be uh, this isn't going to be worth it. I can't make any money at it. But you're clearly proving that wrong. Definitely. Yeah. I started with purses and I did it on the side and I don't like to ship the big things. So big things I would sell on local pickup apps as those came into play. I've done huge garage sales. I mean, I've flipped since I was in my teens and just kind of have never stopped. And then I think, you know, a few years back, the name side hustle came into play and I'm like, oh, I guess I am side hustling, even though I didn't even know I was side hustling. So I guess, where did you, where did you even learn this? How did you even figure this out? Because I, I, I wasn't aware of this when I was in college. <laughs> um, I mean, literally, I'm a shopper. I started at the Gap at, at 16 because I wanted to look stylish. And I wanted to look stylish for less. So I had to go there and make five fifteen an hour. But I loved it. A Gap definitely set my foundation for where I am today, which I am uh, 39 years old now. But I started there. And um, I really never flipped from Gap. But the money that I made at Gap found me, you know, today they were 
well, where did you find these these purses that you were selling and the purses that you're dollar fifty? I mean, those those were like I was in the right spot at the right time and I was checking out for other stuff and there was a huge cart of merchandise sitting right next to the register and I'm like, are these really a dollar fifty? And I just kind of pushed that cart right into the <laughs> checkout register and bought them all. So and, and how many purses was that? Do you remember? I, I it was over a hundred. I know that. And at the time, eBay didn't even have buy it now. We had to do auctions, and they were seven day auctions. Yeah. And I was selling them two at a time. There were two different colors, and there's a white one and a black one. And I mean, it took it took maybe uh, six months to sell through all of them. But uh, that kind of so that paid for. I was in school at the time, and that paid for the next semester. And and Gap actually offered tuition reimbursement as well. So I I did go to college debt free. Wow. Nice. That's awesome. awesome. That's a whole other topic. Yeah. Take that we'll student bring loan debt processors. We're going to find other ways to go to college without having to use you. <laughs> so if we're not all so fortunate to be able to be standing around in a gap and seeing a cart full of purses, what is a more accessible process of reselling from hitting the flea markets to, I guess, stealing from a carrier at the Jersey Shore <laughs> since there are a whole uh, bunch so of boats not- stuck there? <laughs> I actually just had a, a high profile account message me on Twitter and they're like, I didn't want to publicly say this, but I want to, I want to know how you're getting this stuff. Cause I had posted about some swim trunks that I had posted and they're like, how do you know those aren't stolen? How do you know you're not buying hot merchandise? So I buy from wholesalers. I do not buy from people out of trunks. I do not, you know, I know I can source where my merchandise is coming from. I have a lot of certain brands that their wholesalers are buying direct from the companies and I stick with those. And I don't, if I don't, if I can't source it, I'm not going to touch it. And I do go to the flea market and I do sell to people at flea markets. Um, so I would, you know, if you have a flea market, that's always a spot to start, but I don't want to be the one who's buying the stolen merchandise that you keep hearing about. And I walked the big account through, you know, this is my wholesaler. This is where they're getting it from. This is how they get it. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Now that you just spelled it out for me, it makes total sense. So if you don't have a flea market, there are um, a few wholesalers that are online. And then there's stuff like people will go into stores like Ollie's Bargain Bin, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, all these places. There are opportunities there for us just sitting on an end cap that you can go in with an eBay app and start scanning stuff and seeing what this stuff is selling for on eBay. And there are some real, I mean, when I bought the purses, it wasn't from the Gap. It was from a store like like TJ Maxx. And they were just, they clearanced them out. They, they got truckloads of stuff from Neiman Marcus. And it ended up at this closeout store. Ohio was not the market for these purses. And I know that. But eBay gave me the opportunity to sell them all over the country. So there are tons of opportunities out there. And then there's online ones too. So if you don't have one of these TJ Maxx or something close, I use Crazy Casboys a lot. It's Crazy Casboys, C-R-A-Z-Y-C-A-Z-B-O-Y-S. And I interact with them on Twitter daily. They're a fun <laughs> closeout. They buy in bulk. They have a store that I go to here locally, and then I buy stuff from them online. And uh, right before the show, we were just talking. I actually bought a ton of perfume from them earlier this year, and I sold it all by December 8th. And I use that to pay for a, a roof on a rental property this year. Wow. wow. 
that that's, wow that's crazy well that's that's interesting because we will have you back to talk about real estate investing down the road um but this is sort of a prelude to what that conversation is going to be and sort of helped you not only pay for college but also helped you sort of reach financial independence and retire early through a income stream of real estate investing so let me break this down everybody is lives near a tj maxx or something comparable so you're saying that we could walk into a TJ Maxx or a comparable store, do our homework uh, using the eBay app, scanning the SKU code or the, the QRP code to see what they're going for on eBay. Yes. Consider whether or not we want to buy a whole bunch of this in bulk and then maybe sell it ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's super accessible that way. And the app, you can filter the eBay app to look at the sold items. I, I don't look at what they're listed for. I look at what they're selling for because if nobody's buying it, there's no purpose in, right. in trying to. But I mean, I know a lot of Amazon resellers that are doing that now where they're just using the apps to go in and scan. And Amazon is a whole other beast. I sell very little on Amazon. Uh, there's mm-hmm. lots of different levels of how to unlock things, but you can. And like I have a a, fr- a close friend that she just flips toys on on Amazon. That's her full time job. And I mean, she's buying from Kohl's and Walmart and Target and turning around and selling them through Amazon. So there's there's a ton of opportunities out there. It, it, that's so interesting that the variety of demand and where demand is at. Right, people going into Kohl's or Target or Walmart are saying, "I don't want this," but someone somewhere else is saying. I want that because they're out searching for it or they're searching for something that allows that to come up in their search, right? And then they say, oh, that's the product that I was looking for. And you just figured out a way to buy it for less than what you can make off of it when you include things like shipping, storage, all of that, right? For for sure. And I focus on, on low end. I'm $30 or less is, is my average price. That's why I don't do the shoes. I don't do a lot of the stuff that the uh, Amazon resellers are doing. Yeah. Gotcha. But if even if you didn't want to go the TJ Maxx or comparable store route, there are legitimate wholesalers that you can build a relationship with, buy from them, and then resell those on Amazon, eBay, and whatnot. So does Absolutely. Your... Does your second and third and fourth bedroom in your house look like a hoarder's closet? Because it's full. So I, have a, I, I have a guest house outside and it is full. It's a 400 square foot guest house and it is full. And the second bedroom, which is our dog's bedroom, is also full. And that's the high end stuff in, in Woody's room. Uh, he's got He's surrounded by makeup and all the expensive stuff that can't be outside. So then you use this app, the eBay app, to figure out what's selling. So that helps you decide whether or not what what you want to buy or not buy. For sure. You kind of alluded to this a couple of times. Does it make sense to pick a a specialty or a niche or a couple of specialties or niches and not get so concerned about all the things in the world that there are to buy? Yeah, 100%. Like I'm, I'm small products, I'm bras, I'm certain brands of makeup when they get discontinued at stores. I'm not trying to ship the big stuff. It's more expensive. You can lose money on it. I, I had another friend on Twitter that just started and he just wanted to do toys and he did well and he made almost a thousand dollars since he started in profit. But there were some toys that he bought that were just so big that by the time he shipped it, he was you know making $2 and do you want to spend all that time making $2? So I, I definitely stick with what I know. And then I can answer questions on, on stuff because I know about the shades of the makeup and I know about the the fit and and all that kind of stuff. So 
<laughs> I definitely like I, I'm not going to run out to TJ Maxx and start scanning a million different things because I know what we sell and what sells and what doesn't. That makes a lot of so you, lot of you sense. know about the fit, and now I have them connecting that to bras. So, Tom, have you of... tried on any bras? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, they don't make just... they don't make any of my size. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure someone out there does. Right. You bring up a good point, right? That by specializing, you get really familiar with your product, right? You Absolutely. don't have to be the customer service department that is covering everything in the department store. You just have your particular department in the department store, right? And I think that's really important for folks who want to get started in this is to make sure that you are starting small and you understand your products really well because there's always going to be questions. There's always going to be people who want to return an item because it wasn't exactly what they thought it was. All of that is going to be really helpful. Definitely. That's why why we stick with what we do. Just and we don't do returns. Makeup. Once you send that out, if somebody's trying to return it, it's it's garbage at that point. So yeah, that makes sense. If, if I'm selling what I know in the product and and that, I really have very few return requests. And nice. actually, that might make sense just to start off by looking at products that you just won't do a return process on, because then you don't have to have that. That is a part of your system is figuring out how to return things, right? For sure. So we talked about the fact that you have a, a separate house and a separate bedroom that is full of stuff. And you keep on saying we, who are you referring to as we? Are you and the dog doing all of this? My husband, he, he is not on my feed by choice, but he is the OCD meticulous one that inspects everything that I source. And I usually now at this point, I just hand him the bag and I say, find the flaws for me because he, uh, <laughs> he is really good at finding those flaws. And uh, before I'm buying anything, he will pull it out and say, no, this has this. So so he's my. he also packages for me and he's real ridiculous with how he packages them. And we have certain mail carriers that we like to go to because they always take care of us. So he's my, he's my other half and uh, my partner in crime. He's just not on my, my Twitter or my Instagram feed. Nice. That's awesome. We love seeing more couples building businesses together, diversifying income streams. But it does make me wonder, what sort of flaws is he finding? What are, what are things that, what are, I guess, problems, mistakes that, that folks who want to get into I mean, this industry should look out for? I mean, for us, it's, are there problems with the seams? Are there um, problems with the seal on the, that makeup has to be sealed or I'm not selling it because I can't, I don't know where it came from. So he's looking at seals. He's looking at boxes. He's looking at the actual stitching to make sure it's not going to fall apart as soon as it gets to the customer and they're upset. Um, he, all those types of things are just, we don't want to send out a damn product. They're already paying a premium price. And mm -hmm. uh, the last thing, and, and we do refund those, you know, we've had makeup show up smashed and we, we do do refunds on those types of things. We kept having deodorants melt. And we should have probably not tried to sell deodorant during the <laughs> summer, but I it still just stink. depends on, I, I, I know you just got to stock up during the winter when it's not going to melt by the time it gets there. Um, so so yeah. when, when you do find that you've procured damaged goods, what is your backup plan then? Can you go back to the wholesaler and or TJ Maxx and return it to them? I can, but we usually don't even let it get to that point. I'm not buying Like he's, as I'm sourcing, we source one day a week. He's there inspecting it before we even check out. So a lot of them don't mm. take back because it's so discounted. I've had some where I've had a whole pallet of stuff that just wasn't sellable. 
and that wholesaler took it back and I, I got something else in its place. But we usually don't even let it get to where we've bought it without him with his just going through it and making sure it's it's a good sellable item. Nice. So let me ask you, just the way you talk about this and the way that you and your husband do this together is fun. So when I source on Sundays, yes, it's fun. And we source on Sundays, but he's more shopping for him than sourcing. Um, <laughs> so I bet it's fun I mean, for him. Okay, so he's yeah. more gay than frugal and you're more frugal than gay. A hundred percent, yes. Yeah, he, he's shopping for him. There's always things that make its way into my bag to ch- at checkout that I'm somehow buying that is going to end up with him. Nothing that he really needs, but he always finds something that he needs. So. <laughs> right. And I'll give him some credit. I mean, he's been, di- there was one weekend, there was pallets and pallets of tea and he was digging through them, digging through them. And then he brought me all these little Garmin watches that he found under all these tea bags and they were three bucks. And I'm like, we're getting these Garmin watch and we sold them for $150. So if I were there, I would have walked right by these Garmin watches, wow. but he was digging for tea and certain flavors and he found all these watches and, and we flipped them and wow. I don't that normally is- sell watches, but it was just, it was there and it was $3 and, and we made it, we, you know, we turned that into like $140. I think we sold them for each. Got to find that Earl Grey. So we know yes. there's plenty <laughs> of you queer people out there that love to shop. Right. So this is a great way of turning something that you love to do and an obsession that you have into a way for you to make money as long as you don't shop more for yourself than you do for your business. Right. (laughs) Or you could you could flip to pay for your shopping. So you're never really putting yourself into debt to shop. And that's kind of what I started with was I don't want to dig myself into debt. But if I sell these shirts over here, I can buy this for myself and that. So I love it. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Heard a rumor about annuities? Cut out the noise by visiting Queer Money podcast sponsor Gainbridge at gainbridge.life to learn more. So can you tell me a little bit more about the storage and the uh, delivery process? I feel like that may be a hurdle that some people might be concerned about because not everybody has a spare you know, house to, to store stuff in. Um, what's something that's accessible to folks? So the guy I was telling you about um, that just started uh, that I met through Twitter, he's in a very small two-bedroom home with his wife and daughter. So he bought enough Walmart toys that could stack up right next to his desk. And that's what he sold. And by and I told him, I'm like, by Christmas, these will be gone. And he sent me a picture a couple of days before. He's like, it's empty. And I'm like, I know. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I never went crazy where I'm getting storage units, but I know a lot of the Amazon flippers that have storage units full. They also can ship things right to Amazon and have them sell it for them. I have not gone that route. So I've only bought things like when we buy a pallet, we usually break it down and we put it out in our storage. Uh, We have not been buying a lot of pallets lately. There's just no room for it. And uh, we're going to be uh, changing locations here soon. So the storage, I wouldn't go say, go rent a storage unit and start crazy and buy pallets. I I would start and scale. And that's really what I've done over the years is, is starting Um, the shipping Everything five pounds or less, we ship USPS and they give us free shipping supplies. And then anything nice. five or five pounds or more, we usually we price out UPS or FedEx and ship with one of them. 
We use Pirate Ship, which is a uh, website that you can buy discounted um, shipping through. And that has saved us quite a bit over the years shipping stuff across the country. Awesome. Nice. So, so an important thing I'm hearing here or a suggestion for people who are listening is, yeah, I think we've seen all these stories of these people who have, you know, all these gigantic storage units where their garage is full of stuff and they're, they're making, you know, buku bucks reselling products. And that might be the end goal, but don't shoot for that necessarily. Maybe shoot like the, the guy who you talked about earlier, buy a few things and start small. Just see what the process is like. See if you like it, see what works and what doesn't work for you. And then as Tom says, scale from there, maybe shoot for selling five items in, in a month. And then maybe next time shoot for 10 or 25, scale up to it so that it doesn't seem so, so scary. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the story I used to read as one of those turn the page books when it chimes. When I was a kid about the cobbler who only could afford the leather to bought to make one pair of shoes, but then he sold those pair of shoes and he was able to buy enough leather to make two pairs of shoes, sold those, and then he could make three and four and eventually he had his own shop. And And I think that that's the way a lot of folks, we need to think about this kind of business in that manner. And what's important is probably you want to make sure that during maybe the first year or so, you're not really scraping a whole lot of money off and putting it in your pocket. You're actually putting most of that money back into the business and making sure that you're able to continue to purchase more product and grow your business. For sure. For sure. And for him, uh, the, the guy that just started, he profited a thousand dollars and that paid for all of his Christmas. And that was his goal when he started. Nice. He just, you know, he bought Walmart clearance. That's where it was by his house. So he was comfortable. He went in and scanned. He sent me pictures and said, is this good? Is this not good? And he, you know, he spent two or $300 at the time. It started slow, but by the time he had shipped out his last item, he hit that thousand dollars and that, that paid for his holiday this year. So, and so he's not reinvesting it. However, he knows that the system works and, right. you know, he's ready. He's ready when Walmart lines up the, the clearance come March and he'll restock at that time. But I think it's a great example because studies show that people are still paying off their expenses from Christmas 2020, right? We're in 2022. 13% of American families are still paying for Christmas people are 2020. Still, that's on their credit cards, compounding interest, keeping them in debt. So if you wanted to, that, maybe that said that as if, you, if you're thinking about getting into this kind of a business, or if you just want to try it out, set that as your goal. How do, how do you make Christmas free for you? Or um, the next time you and your partner or your gaggle of friends want to go on a vacation, figure out how much it costs and then see, can I resell enough products to be able to pay for that trip even before we go? So you can come back and you don't have that credit card hangover. Maybe set some sort of a small goal like that. So you can enjoy your quality of life and it, it doesn't cost you anything, right? It becomes a wash. And then if you'd like it, continue that. Definitely. Didn't you use bras and purses to purchase your first investment property or one of so your investment properties? I wanna, yeah, I did, I did um, sell enough bras to buy a condo in cash, not a down payment. I actually bought the whole condo in cash. And um, That's a all, lot from bras. <laughs> all from bras. I had my grandma peeling stickers. I had my dad sourcing bras. It was, it was a big deal. So people are like, bras, explain this to me. But we just found super inexpensive, good quality bras up in Ohio. And we trucked them down to Texas and we made a lot of money even after getting them down here by flipping them. And then the person that bought them from us flipped them again and made way more than we made. So we probably should have went up a lot more, 
but we bought two condos. We we did, <laughs> we, yeah. But we've sourced and sold all kinds of stuff, and and bras paid for for one of our one of our uh, real estate acquisitions. That's awesome. So the important question is, how many bras does it take to buy a condo in Texas? <laughs> I mean, it's getting crazy right now. You're going to need like a couple trucks at this point um, for all these bras because prices keep uh, ballooning here in Texas. But this was a few years back, back when things were a little bit more affordable. So I don't have a solid answer for you, but it's a lot of bras. That's what I'll say. I think this is probably, we are probably setting the record for a podcast that is only men using the word bras or bra. So <laughs> there are probably maybe some bro- we will expand. There, right. There are some other products. So tell us, Tom, what have been some of your really successful products that you have purchased? Give us a few examples and then maybe tell us about some of the failures. I don't know if failures is the right word, but the break-evens are ones that you had to take a loss on. Oh, we've definitely had those too. So our favorite products are in the women's category. We love to buy stuff for the, the men's category, but we don't sell it well and we can't find it discounted enough. So we buy it. And I will tell you when my customers come and pick up the female customers, because we do do local pickup too, they will buy the men's stuff, but we just don't sell to men a lot. So in that category, colognes, perfumes, clothing, pajama sets, all those sorts of things sell really well, especially as you get closer to the holidays. Like right now is usually when I'm stocking up on the gift sets that didn't sell this Christmas and I'll sell them next Christmas. We just sold, we had bins and bins and bins of these gift sets and we just sold the last one on Christmas day. So (laughs) that was a, a victory for us. Some of the things that haven't worked out, I've struck out on like toys that I like that I would think would sell well, like FAO Schwartz, like the fancy toys. Kids don't want those. I've bought them because I love them and nobody else wants them. So I've struck out on a couple of those. I've had some bad expired product that we haven't been able to move quick enough and we don't mess around with expiration dates. If it's expired, it's expired and we won't sell it. So those are, you know, check dates. Don't buy something that expires next month if you're trying to, uh, do it because I've been burned on that before and those ended up being trash. And then just because you like it doesn't mean that somebody else is going to like it. So that's where that sold items on eBay comes into to play because some of these toys and I mean, I've had some bras that have not been pop, you know, you think because of a name brand, they're going to be a great seller and there's certain bras and certain styles that just don't sell. So just uh, go in with caution. And I, I had someone recently message me on Twitter who is very, very in debt. And they're like, I want to start flipping to start paying off my debt. But they didn't have a nest egg to buy it. And I didn't want to encourage them to go further in debt to try and sell stuff. So we started with with some, you know, that's not that's not kind of how I've done it. And I I wouldn't want to encourage anyone to go further into debt to, to try and make more money. So so take the credit card payoff course, and then when you pay off your debt, then follow Tom's strategy. Yeah, right. But I think what you're talking about here is, is is smart, and something we want to maybe break down a little bit is that, you know, so often we can get stuck in our heads and thinking, okay, we've got to be perfect at this. We've got to make sure we do this perfectly, and, and this is the perfect thing for me to sell. But so often the thing that we think is perfect is actually not resonating with people that will want will actually buy from us. So, for example, there have been so many podcast episodes, YouTube videos 
paid advertising that David and I have created. And we're like, this is going to get so much attention. People are going to love this. And it's crickets. Or, or. And then we'll, we'll sometimes we'll, we'll create something like an ad. I can think of some ads that we created and I'm like, Oh, I don't really like that. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to click on that. Nobody's going to buy that. And then it gets some of our best ROI. So it's like, you can ruminate all day about what is going to be the most perfect thing for you to sell for you to put out. You're not going to get it right. So just, pick something, try it, and then tack accordingly. Learn from that. And eventually your market will tell you what they want, which is what you found, obviously. Definitely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So when you think about this kind of business, what's the hardest part? What's the hardest part about having a business like this? So for me, the hardest part is I have a real estate side hustle. I have a full-time nine to five, and then I have my resale business. So it's hard to juggle. And I mean, my husband will be the first to admit there's times where I'm like, come get in bed with me and let's watch movies. And then we sit here and we list stuff as we're watching movies. So it's kind of finding that balance. And with all the different moving plates that I have, it's hard to find that balance. The customer service side, you know, if they send me a picture and show me that it's it's melted or it's damaged upon arrival, that's easy. I send them their money back. Um, there are times where people will come. 60 or 90 days after the fact and try and get money back. And I usually just do it, but it's screams. I am broke and I just want my $9 back. So that's a challenge. Like, cause I get upset and I'm like, why did you buy this in July? And you're complaining about it in October. But, uh, the, the balance is, is the challenge right now, just with so many different projects that I'm working on. Gotcha. I love that you bring that up though, because I think your prime example of the value of diversity of income. And it also shows that there's not a whole lot of value in putting all your eggs in one basket. If something's not working out for you, and a lot of LGBTQ people are finding that the W-2 isn't working out for them because, because of their queer status, they're not able to get ahead, they can't get paid fairly, all sorts of a myriad of problems. You're showing that, well, if that's not working out for you, which isn't necessarily your story, there are other options for you. And, and, and diversifying those income streams, figuring out what you are good at and where you can make the most money to reach financial independence, it just benefits you in the, in the long run. And then eventually someday, you might be able to tell your W-2, hey, take this job and shove it, as a lot of people are doing during this time with a great migration right. or no, great resignation. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that this, to me, sounds like in some ways would be a great job for someone who only has a limited amount of time or someone who has a maybe has to, because of their circumstances, has to be at home, right? Um, whether it's because you have have kids, whether because maybe you have a disability, um, maybe you have some mental health issues that just don't allow you to be out working and, and interfacing with people a lot. This sounds like something that someone in one of those circumstances could potentially get into as a way to help them increase their income or have an income. Because uh, 100%, once you get it going, like once you, you know, say you have 100 pieces of a makeup, once you put up that one listing, it's kind of on autopilot. And uh, just recently, again, on Twitter, I had someone messaging me, they were about to start treatments at a hospital and just can't work a lot. And they're like, this is something I need. Can you nice. get me in the right direction? I don't need a ton of money. I just need a little bit of income coming in because I am out on disability what direction can you point me in? So that definitely I agree with. And it's, it's something to, you know, 
like he just, the friend that I keep referring to just did for Christmas. It's something to pay for Christmas or it's something to pay for a trip or it's something that, you know, and you can scale it just like the e there's eBay sellers and Amazon sellers that are selling a million, $2 or 2 million a year in sales. And right now for, for me, I'm good with what we're selling in a year. Yeah. Nice. So let's talk about something that people always forget about until about April. <laughs> what is the bookkeeping like? What is the ta what is the taxes? What is the, what, can you give us a little bit of that experience with running a business like this? So my husband would say it's traumatic because um, <laughs> it is, and we don't wait till April. We're usually pretty good, and we do it quarterly with our. We use Excel. We're I started with with rentals and i have like quicken spreadsheets and we use that for inventory in inventory out and then you coincide with your different apps and where you're selling it so ebay gives you a, a take home pay on what i sold this perfume for and then we plug it into our our spreadsheet and i hand it over to my super awesome cpa who does my rentals and my um he was overwhelmed last year when we handed him all the cheap cheap stuff he's like this is because we went really hard with it last year because of the pandemic. So I wasn't working my nine to five full time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we have things that people need. Let's start listing this. And we went real hard last year and we did like crazy sales in April and May of last year when we did the first lockdown. So it's a tedious process. There are items where as we're doing it, we're like, oh my gosh, we almost lost money on this. And that happens. And that's part of it, especially when you have a lost item that didn't get delivered and you have to do a reship there's items that we made $200 on. So it kind of balances out. Like, I think this year will go smoother because when it comes to January, we're just going to have to do October, November, December. We don't let it build up to uh, what we did last year because it was a very awful week. We took PTO and we just were sitting in the house and we were doing all of the rental receipts. And it was, it was a tough back and forth to the CPA four times with different, I mean, he would just give us lists every time we'd go. He's like, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And we would uh, come back and then he'd give us a new list. So it's, if so, you don't know what you're doing, it can be tedious. Do you file quarterly or annually? Annually still right now okay. um, with the rentals, but there are the ones that are, cause I'm not selling over a million dollars worth of stuff right now. Uh, there are Amazon and eBay sellers that are doing the, the quarterly, but it's a much larger number than what we're selling. Gotcha. Okay. Is what he said. And that came from him. Right. It makes sense. My CPA. And when you sell these things, let's focus on the online, because I think that probably is going to be a little bit easier for a lot of people to, to kind of adjust to versus the selling in person. When you sell online, you don't have to collect sales tax, right? That's all the sales tax is collected for you through these platforms, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. eBay and Amazon collect it and pay it for you. Which is for folks, if you're thinking about doing this, that is one thing that may make this easier than doing it in person. If you do it in person, then you do have to collect sales tax, right? Because you're selling an item, especially if you live in a city and you're exchanging this in person. If you live in a city or a state that has city or state sales taxes, you're going to have to figure out how to collect that. And then you're going to have to file that and pay that with the state, right? So we're, when you do it through these large resellers, these these apps or these tools, that all is taken care of for you. Definitely. And yeah, so I'm paying the tax on the income is what I'm paying the tax on when we uh, do our taxes. 
which is an important thing to remember, right? When you're creating a business, you want to make sure that you're remembering to set aside money to pay your taxes. And you're also factoring that in. How do you factor that into your pricing? So you buy an item for $1.50 and you turn around and sell it for 10 bucks. How do you factor that in? Um, so it's usually 25% of the profit minimum is, is what our rule of thumb is and what the money goes into that tax account to pay it. And we also, so when we buy it for $1.50, we actually work in shipping into that. So you got to take out the shipping and, and the other expenses that go along with it. So I'm, if I buy something for $1.50 and sell it for $10, I'm not necessarily walking away with $8.50 in profit. Right. So it's 25% of what the actual profit is. And that's on the lower side, the 25%. I mean, it can go, you know, you can be like my husband who would rather put way more up just in case that tax bill is higher than what we expect. Right. So you buy something for $1.50. It costs you $2 to ship it. So now your cost of goods is three fifty, and you turn around and you sell it for ten dollars. Then you're actually making that six fifty there, and you're taking twenty five percent of that six fifty and putting that into I don't touch this for any fucking reason because it's not my money; it's the government's money account. A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, we have it set aside. Yeah, yeah. So that you know, those are you know, if you're thinking about getting into business like this or any business at all of your own. Unfortunately, you have to think about taxes. <laughs> and the sooner you start preparing for that and thinking about that, the easier your life will be so that you don't spend an entire week of PTO trying to figure out how to figure out <laughs> pay all your taxes so you don't go to jail. Nobody right. wants to go to jail, especially during COVID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've got your real estate business, you've got your side, uh, you've got your reselling business, you're getting into the personal finance space and you've got a W2. Of all of those things, which do you hope to get rid of first? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the W-2, just because, especially during COVID, it's been extremely challenging. My husband has W-2 also, and with the real estate and the resale, the W-2 would be the one that needs to go the most. And I, I knew what you were going to say with that. And then the, re I, the reason I love that answer is because to me, this exemplifies exactly what we've been trying to encourage people to do is to give yourselves the option to tell your boss that for whatever reason that you're, you don't want to work for them anymore. You don't have to, if you, if you have all these different kinds of side hustles, even if you just have one, you don't have to quit your job, but it's nice to have the option to be able to do so if for whatever reason you want to. And I think this is what you're doing is, is a prime example of the benefit of all that. Definitely. A hundred percent. I, I, it's nice to be able to say to your boss, you know, this just, there's no life work balance. I can't give my, you know, I, I kind of sometimes have problems where I'm not giving more than 40 hours and that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. So this gives you ultimate flexibility, even though we're sitting in bed watching Netflix and listing things, <laughs> I'm still sitting in bed and I'm not having to answer to someone else. So, and, and you're in bed with your husband. Which is always fun. <laughs> so for those of our listeners who are thinking about maybe getting into something like this, what are the first three steps you'd encourage someone to take if they wanted to sort of replicate a business like yours? Okay. So if we are not in credit card debt or we've already taken the course, um, <laughs> start small. And that's where the, the guy who started this summer, he's like, he, he's on a 50,000 a year income. He's like, what can I do just to make a little bit and start small and scale? So that's going to be step one. And, and for him, I gave him like, I'm like, I would try this store. I would try, I've bought a lot of stuff here. 
and I've bought stuff here. And his comfort level was was Walmart, and it was during the summer, and they were doing a ton of toy clearance, and he rolled himself down the aisle. So start small and scale. Number two, don't wait till it sells to try and figure out how to pack it or ship it. Know before you're listing it because mm-hmm. people, even if you're charging more, do not want to pay for shipping. So I've free shipping, and I, I've experimented where we're doing you have to pay for shipping, you don't have to pay for shipping. Nine times out of 10, that free shipping is going to sell even if it's $4 more than the other one because they don't want to pay for shipping. So mm-hmm. know how you're going to pack it. Number three, just how much do you want to reinvest if you want to scale it? Or how much do you want to, you know, do you want to do a trip with it? Do you want it to pay for a holiday? So those are my three key things to, to kind of get started. You know, start small and scale, know how you're going to ship it. And then what's the next step? Where are you going once all this stuff is sold? You know, like right now, he's completely out of merchandise, but he's getting ready for the the next go around. I'm usually buying two or three seasons ahead. So stuff that I bought this summer won't even go up for sale until it's worked its way through the other resellers in, in March. So you got to know, you know, just like I said, with the gift sets, we just sold the, the 2020 gift sets now. So we'll start looking at the 2021 gift sets that we'll sell next year. Nice. It's fun to follow your feed on Twitter to see when you're posting these kinds of things. Because I think you posted something about, I don't know whether it was mittens or pajamas, but they were seasonal. And you talked about how you bought these for like 50 cents or a dollar or something like that. And we're selling them for 14 bucks. But you got them when they were closed out because of what you must have purchased them a year ago, right? Or more. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm buying all my winter stuff in the in the summer, and I, I've posted about mittens and I've posted about pajamas. Uh, the mittens were a way better markup because I did buy them around fifty cents, and then we were selling them. They were cashmere, and we were selling them for forty bucks a piece with free shipping. Um, oh wow! So the pajama, <laughs> the, yeah, the the pajamas we bought out of the season, you know, with snowflakes all over them, and nobody wants those in July. So they're selling them to me for five dollars, six dollars a set. And again, my husband's OCD and can fold them all up nice and beautiful and put ribbons on them <laughs> so we can sell them for more money. And then we throw those up and around Halloween and we just we sell those for those are more local pickups. But some of the certain pajamas we ship out, people will be looking, you know, they know that they like this certain brand and they're they're on the hunt. So certain brands we can pop up and make a lot of money on them, even so, buying them for five or six dollars a piece. Will the new location have an, an arts and crafts room with uh, gift wrapping? <laughs> so the uh, new location does have a two-car garage, so we will expand the space in there. And we are kind of reevaluating where if we're not profiting $10 minimum a piece, we're not selling it anymore. So we're not going to carry mm-hmm. some of the stuff that we currently sell unless it has a $10 minimum profit. Wow, nice. Well, there's goals, right? As your business grows, you can start to make those kind of adjustments and set those kind of boundaries of this. I'm only going to do this. You know, it's the same thing with an individual. I'm only going to take this job if it pays this amount per hour or this salary. You got to do the same thing with your products. So awesome. Yeah, I love it. For sure. Awesome. For sure. One thing that people ask me a lot that I forgot to mention is what do you do when you can't get rid of it? So like those toys I donated, but a lot of times we're really big into bundles. So we'll bundle, we'll do self-care bundles. We'll bundle whatever is not selling with some good stuff. And we can get it out of our life and and, and not lose a, a ton of money on it. It's I love doing bundles. 
That makes a lot. As sense. a matter of fact, we won't show this on the video, but John and I have sparkly green and blue toenails right now because Tom sent us a bundle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was not a bad selling bundle, by the way. Those are my. I sent no, out, it was uh, nice. Oh, these are nice products. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We I put those in there intentionally because those were the good colors. We sold a ton of those this Christmas. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think this has been a super informative and inspiring episode. So hopefully to our listeners or watcher viewers, Tom gave you some ideas of what, what you might be able to do to expand your life, increase your improve your financial security, break free from that W2, um, or at least just be able to go on that vacation with the boys and come back without a credit card hangover. Yes. So Tom, where all can our listeners follow you and track everything you're doing both in real estate as well as with Cheap Cheap? So I kind of mix it up. Um, I'm on Twitter at the frugal gay 11 just like they said at the beginning. And also on Instagram and also on Facebook, all the same name, the frugal gay 11 Twitter, I'm the most active. So if you want a response, because I get um, messages on Facebook all the time and get overwhelmed, please message me on Twitter. I promise I'll respond. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. We will definitely have you back. This has been a great episode. Thank you, guys. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you, Tom, for sharing such amazing insights on how to get started in a reselling business and for showing LGBTQ folks a path that they can follow to reach financial independence. To you, our listeners and viewers, Here's your queer money takeaway from this episode. If you're seeking financial independence, consider getting into reselling. Check out your local TJ Maxx or the discount bins at your local Walmart or Target to start seeing what products are priced at and then using the eBay app that Tom mentioned to see how much you can sell them for. Then if you decide that this is something you want to try, follow Tom's three steps for getting started. And then join us next week when we tackle another financial well-being topic. Finally, remember, we make the Queer Money Podcast for you. So if you have money questions, post them in the Queer Money Facebook group and we'll answer them in an upcoming episode. Thank you. And we'll talk with you next week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.